I have important trash can follow up. <laughs> okay. Before all else, I I feel like there was a, a weird ending to last week's episode mm, with a, with with a lot your, of... with your four thousand dollar trash can. Yeah, I, I remember. I did not buy a Mac Pro. <laughs> but I felt like there was a lot of judginess coming across uh, across Comcast's network. Oh um, no, that must have, that must have just been the the latency or something. Mm. <laughs> so yes, I'll have you know, I used I just remembered after after we hung up is that I used a twenty percent off one of those Bed Bath and Beyond coupons off it. So uh, your judginess about my oh, so it was only like my two hundred nine dollars. <laughs> it was a two hundred nine dollar trash can times carry the two times 0.8 it was 167 dollars and it is an amazing trash can and i i, I feel no shame hey, but i do i do think i, do think I deserve a 20 percent discount or I, I need judginess reform i i will be i will be 20 percent less judgmental about it then well there we go that's all i ask is <laughs> this is what paul ryan spent his entire life fighting for mm, mm-hmm yeah so a few a few other things. Um, this week, like last week, uh, there was some uh, troubling news that that kind of occupied a lot of brain space today. So let me. Why is Chrome not moving the tab? Um, yeah. So let's let's get a couple things out of the way. We're not going to talk about the big news yet, but I want to know who is the Don Father. That is Jonas Donskoy. A forward for the sharks. Mm-hmm. Why is he the only one who doesn't have a beard in this thing? Because because yeah, if you if you fair, go, if, a good question. I don't, I mean, Kane, like if, if you Google Kane doesn't have a beard. If you Google sharks roster into Google, yeah, what you, what you do? Okay. Um, they they have little thumbnails, and there's somebody named Brent Burns who looks like. Um. Oh, I guess Kane does have a beard. Okay. Yeah. Th- so they've. Uh, they have this little carousel at the top, and pretty much everybody looks um, looks looks very beardy. And and your guy uh, Jonas Jonas mm-hmm. uh, Jonas, mm-hmm. yeah, apparently he's he's a big deal on the sharks. Yeah. yeah so sh- can I can I ask you about that? Certainly. So you during the game last night, you were sending all of these messages in Slack. That I think I sent two messages. And I, I mean, were you watching the game? Like, what what prompted this? So, do you remember what happened last night? Well, they won. No, do you remember what else happened last night? I, I'm trying not to think about that other thing. So, when you turn when you turn off the TV, or when you, when you're trying to avoid um, that, you know, you know, the degradation of the Oval Office and and and, and a completely ginned up uh, humanitarian crisis and, and and security crisis, you sometimes get pushed into the arms of uh, the NHL. Got it. And I actually had nothing to do with the sharks. It was that I was looking at my Apple TV and I'm like, you know, I don't want to watch this uh, cable news and a bunch of garbage. I'm going to sort the apps on my Apple TV. And then I totally forgot. I'm like, what, what the hell? Is it? Why do I have the NBC Sports app on there? And I still don't remember why, but I clicked it and um, the Sharks game was on. And it reminded me how much I love the Comcast thing where if you're on your home Wi Fi network, 80% of the time, it'll log you in automatically without having to open one password. And that's pretty great. Yeah, that that's nice. But yeah, so a couple of things. So yeah, so apparently, uh, yeah, I'm concerned about the Sharks. Or maybe I'm concerned about, maybe, are the Oilers just not a very good team? Or are the Sharks, uh, do they have their stuff together? And is the Sorensen guy the big, the real deal? The 
Oilers are not the best team. They're not terrible, but they're not the best. Um, the Sharks have been playing much better lately and much more consistently lately. And Sorensen's good. Yeah, he's 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 been been solid this year. Yeah. Is a goaltender and a goalie a different thing? No. Oh, goaltender is just like the the official term. Correct. Hmm. Uh, net netminder is also another phrase that you'll hear. <laughs> that's made up. <laughs> that sounds like something that's inside like Norton Security Essentials 2003. <laughs> so, so how much of the game did you watch last night? I watched like 20 minutes, okay. and during those 20 minutes, there were 8,000 Honda ads. So I I gave up. Yeah. Well, you were streaming it. Yeah, it was fine, and I actually think um like. Is it called OTT if you subscribe? No, it's probably not. But a Comcast's video on demand solution thing, they've gotten better about it not being the same ad over and over again. Um, but it's still not great. How's the I haven't tried that on Apple TV. How's the frame rate when you're streaming? So hey, you you do hire some Russians, you're looking at my notes. Uh, <laughs> that's <clears throat> that's what I was gonna mention, which is that it the video quality is good, but it looks like there's five like five frames a second missing. Yeah, right. With and with like, I mean, if it if it's just like you're watching a WWDC, you know, like whatever. But on sports, that's super noticeable. Yeah, that so and I, jarring. So the NBA, as I, I'm an NBA League Pass subscriber, and the Apple TV app is from the NBA is actually it's it's pretty good. It's it's smartly laid out. It's easy to hop in and out of games, and exactly like you said, the the resolution on the games looks really good, and it it particularly stands out because it's a you just a much less compressed picture than like what you see on cable. Mm-hmm. So if there's not a lot of action happening, it looks really sharp. Yeah, but it's like as soon as there's movement, <laughs> it, it just it just looks like a bad you know streaming video from like seven years ago i wouldn't say i go that far it's it's not quite that bad but it's kind of it's the opposite it's like the opposite effect of like that motion smoothing thing right like where the other one's unrealistic in a certain way but this one yeah it just feels slightly off yeah like it's being broadcast at like 24 frames a second instead of the 29.97 so yeah so that that was weird and then um I had one other thing about the sharks. Oh, yeah. So, and this goes hand in hand with today's troubling news. So, I was because lo- I had never actually paid attention to a hockey game or or to a, to a sharks game. So, the the sponsors around the hockey circle or, mm-hmm. or the, the rink sponsors, in really really tech heavy, but also like obscure tech. Well, like, I mean, that's it. San Jose, right? But wouldn't you think it's just general Bay Area stuff? Like, because like they have, well, of course, SAP, but like they have like Citrix and Threat Metrics. Like, there are all these weird things where, if you're not from, actually, hell, even the South Bay specifically, on a national scale, who the hell knows what the Threat Metrics is? I'm always I'm always surprised by that. Like at SFO, the advertising there is exactly what you just said. It's so it's so hyper local. It's weird. Yeah. Hmm. Like, like, because there'll be unironic ads about like EMC virtualization platforms. You're like, who, who is this reaching? Right. So maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm used to seeing it in other parts around here. So I don't, I don't think about it much with the shark specifically. 
Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's no, it's no uh, Cox Sports Park. No. Dare Ranch. Nothing is. Um, so can we talk about the, the troubling news that happened today? Well, actually, there's, there's, there's several, yeah, but let's, yeah. so let me <laughs> clarify. Start with. So, like, do a, do like an Excel filter, and let's go down to sports news. Ugh, okay. Yeah, so maybe, maybe I'm irrationally, and I just hate Larry Ellison uh, for no good reason, but I actually think I probably have good reasons. Um, AT&T Park, I did not know. It was not on my radar. I had not read a single story about their um, the naming rights for um, the Giants ballpark coming up for renewal or renegotiation. And all of a sudden, there's a push alert saying, oh, yeah, AT&T Park is now Oracle Park. Well, th- this was strange because there was a rumor that I sent you where I guess the Giants official Twitter feed started following this other Twitter feed called Oracle Park. And literally, less than five minutes later, the the official news story popped up saying, like, yeah, this is this is happening. Um, you know, I, th- I think the reason why you probably didn't hear about this is, I mean, A, even if, you know, fast forward a year from now when the agreement was officially up with AT&T, this isn't exactly something that <laughs> generally makes the top of the news, especially in the environment we're in these days. But then on top of that, again, this was a kind of one year before the agreement was supposed to be officially up, but there was this kind of obscure one year early opt out period where if you know both sides agreed that they didn't want to move forward and the Giants were able to go out and get a new sponsor, they could then go ahead and, and do that a year early. So it was kind of a unique circumstance. Yeah, this 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 sucks. Um Yeah. You know it's it's like the it's like the fourth name of the stadium in the last well, 20 no, but, years. But but that's the thing that's fine. Like I I've probably on the show I've I've made the same dumb joke that I make all the time and I'm not the one who invented this joke but you just call it like phone company stadium like <laughs> or something like that because like initially when it opened in 2000 um people a throwback to to old Ma Bell days sort of or the the post Ma Bell breakup it was called Pacific Bell Park or Pac Bell Park affectionately and that's probably the best name it's ever had and then and then it was as and, and then as uh, like just like the Terminator uh <laughs> AT&T rebuilt itself. It became SBC because Pacific Bell merged with like three other things. And then, yeah, it became AT&T Park. So it was all the same company and it was all like derivatives of the same company. So it kind of made sense. But fucking Oracle. So do the Giants now play at Roracle? (laughs) I suppose so. Yeah. Like this is, this is lame. This seriously was bumming me out so much. Yeah, I know. I was, you know, I was going to ask when it broke a couple of hours ago if, if, you know, if you still wanted to do the show or if you kind of needed to, you know, push it a week or well, something. Like, but it's just like, I mean, if the Giants dynasty and three World Series happening at a specific park, and now it's just fucking Larry, another place with Larry Elson's name on it, sort of. Because Oracle's not even a likable company. <laughs> so I guess, so what what tech company would you have wanted to step in here? Honestly. And it's going to be unpopular. Salesforce. They have more money than God. Why not just own all Salesforce of... Park. It's right... It's, it, it would be a half mile away from Salesforce, uh, Salesforce Tower. Like, why the hell not? I would have been much more in favor of it, be, of it being called uh, SFDC Park. I think that, that would sound kind of cool. Well, you understand that SFDC is actually a product of theirs, right? 
Yeah, no, I know. Okay. That's, that's don't, you don't, you, the joke's not as funny when you explain it. Well, I don't know if people know that. <laughs> See, I'm, I, go, I'm, go, I'm going for that hyper-local tech thing that we were just talking about. I, I think most people don't actually understand what Salesforce does. <laughs> That's actually... I actually had a conversation with... Who was that with? I guess it was with some family, maybe over the holidays at some point, where you know Salesforce came up in the conversation like it does. And um, it is hard to explain what Salesforce does. I mean, they do they do CRM. That's I know, but, but like, well, actually, but then you have to define what CRM. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, trying. I know. Like once you once you get it, you get it. But it's just <laughs> is, wait, wasn't that their slogan at one time? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> they can. If if not, they can they can run with it. That's a, that's a freebie. Yeah. So either them or who else is big in the bear? Like fucking, I don't know. It's just Oracle. Ugh. Slack Park would have been kind of cool. That seems extravagant for a company other and also actually no, that's 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 too um that's too crazy. You know, you know it'd been kind of a funny a funny name would have been like Dropbox Park, because then you could have made fun of like when there were drop catches and stuff. Been kind of an op- opportunity there. Yeah, we can workshop it some more, but yeah, 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 we'll we'll come come back to that. Actually, Adobe is a huge company. Adobe Park. Yeah. But no, that that was the Photo, photo Photoshop Park. No, Light, Lightroom Park. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that was the comparison I was going to make to the SAP Center or SAP Arena, which, which actually, which one is it? The SAP Center. Yeah, where AT, AT&T Park actually has surprisingly fewer obscure technology partners. Like, I think on the scoreboard, they have Adobe, PlayStation for some reason, and Salesforce. And those are the only tech companies. And then, like Salesforce has um, their like championship suite next to the Alaska Airline thing because Alaska Airline sponsors literally everything in the Bay Area for some reason. Like, you know, it's because they took over Virgin and they had a bunch of pre-existing agreements. But it seems weird how much Alaska sponsors. Well, that's I mean, you think you just answered your own question because that that was the Virgin America whatever in AT and T. I'm sorry, or- Oracle Park. And they just <laughs> this, this this podcast has very few rules, but I know I can't do a tech ex- text expander script for this, but we're going to call it Phone Company Park or Pack Belt Park forever. I think I might. I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling it uh, Database Park because it's kind of like database baseball. It's it's you know it's kind of creative. But everybody's trying to get away from Oracle. Like even Amazon has almost entirely weaned themselves off Oracle. I don't know. Prime Park. They've been pretty good. I'm surprised with all the downtown stuff that Seattle's doing. They haven't uh, found a way to rename Safeco Park or CenturyLink Field. Well, or have they tried? I would say, I, well, I would say because you know Key Arena is going through renovations, and there's going to be a hockey team there in a couple of years, and in all likelihood, an NBA team. Oh, are, we talked are, about this. Yeah. yeah. So oh, okay, I keep keep that in mind. Keep yeah, but Amazon. Mind. No offense. Amazon seems like more of a prestige company than uh, hockey. Well, but I, if they get both hockey and NBA in there, and they'll have oh. know, tons of concerts. and Yeah, just going to bring back the Supersonics. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, it's only if... Um, that will only be allowed if... Uh, who's the guy? Starbucks CEO. Charles... Sh- not Charles Schultz. <laughs> It's the Peanuts guy. Um, <laughs> what is his name? Starbucks former CEO. Because he stepped down, right? Howard, Howard Schultz. Yeah. 
Because isn't that the thing that's rumored that he's going to be either an independent or a Democratic nominee, or did that whole thing go away? Well, I mean, I think like half the country is going to at some point be a 2020 Democratic nominee. So sure. Uh, I I I think Elizabeth Warren has it sewn up. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, and if, we're going to move right along before I say something dumb. Mm -hmm. um, so oraclepark.com uh, was registered 21 days ago. Uh, there are a bunch Ooh, of domains. Where does it go? Uh, to giantsenterprises.com, where the website still says AT&T Park all over the place. So it's a, it's a bunch of garbage. Well, it's it's going to take some time. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> how long it takes for, uh, or if, um, what do you call it? If, if they can do some kind of East Cut style renaming of Mission Bay. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, well, I don't know what Oracle can do with it. Actually, yeah, uh, the databasing district or something. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they're going to have all the branding redone before the season starts. They probably are, because if you, yeah, look, if, because if you Google it and look at um, Pacific Bell Park and stuff like that and photos of the stadium, like, all they have to do is change, like, the entrance right. and um, the thing above the, the scoreboard. And since they're already... They're already redoing actually, the scoreboard, yeah. Yeah, that's something that uh, was in the notes, and that was feels like eight years ago. That, and that, that was going to be the, the big AT&T Park news this week, but yeah. then the whole thing just changed its name, so there you go. I don't want to go to Pixar uh, Pixar night at, at Oracle Park. That's... Ugh. Ooh, Pixar Park. Oh, that'd been good. Uh, yeah, well, hold on. Why, why can't this... No, why, can't, why couldn't Disney just do it? scrap this uh, ill ill forgot this ill misguided uh, ott service called disney plus just spend all that money on the, the 10 million a year you need to pay to have naming rights for where the giants lose a lot <laughs> um yes it's well there was a period of time where um you know disney owned the angels mm -hmm. and uh angel stadium was another one of those stadiums that had about 18 different names when we were growing up like i'm unaware they, they, what, what, what were they, they were, what were some they, of them they at one point had a partnership with southern california edison oh my god it was um and i think when disney owned them well the the, the edison part might have overlapped with disney's ownership but then i think for at least some portion of disney's ownership it was just known as the big a because there's <clears> literally a, a you know, sure. a out in front. Um, I guess I can't even tell you what it is now. What, what I totally is... forgot. It was called Edison Field. Yeah. Yeah. What is, is is it just called Angel Stadium now? Yeah, I think it's, it's just it's just called Angel Stadium now. Angel Stadium, uh, Stadium of Anaheim of LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> Edison International Field. What does that even mean? What made it international? Nothing. Ugh. They painted the the big A green when Edison had the naming rights. Mm. And then Disney added that big rock and water feature out in <laughs> left center field, which at the time was ridiculed. But if you look at baseball stadiums that have either been built or renovated since then. Well, they all like even Miami Stadium has like wacky stuff. No, like that, that that's now. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the Angel Stadium thing looks tame by comparison now. Well, yeah, like Tropicana Field or whatever it's called looks like just like the 70s. It's it's very upsetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunate name now, but you can't take away the view and the atmosphere of Phone Company Park. It's still pretty great. 
Mm-hmm. The only problem with, and, and we've talked about this before, the I think. Hmm? The weather. <laughs> no, not at all. No, and, and you know, at the seagulls after after the 11th inning, you can have mm. my, my cold garlic fries. I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, we're going to make a deal. Just, to, just don't. Don't, don't poop on me and we, we got it we got a deal but um yeah it's it's the fans that are that are killing me because ever since like as uh the bay area has gotten more tech heavy or that whole thing has resurged is that a, is that a word sure. sure it is it is now a few people that actually care to watch the game go to the games and i always get super bummed super bummed out about that like when when you see a bunch of people leaving, and like unless they're up big or it's like an incredibly competitive game, you have like a bunch of people that are leaving in the fourth inning who just came to grab a beer and, and like they're like it's a day game and and it's not a that's not a Giants thing though that's it's increasing that's kind of like baseball if, in general. No, I mean if you compare like going to a game in, in 2012 versus going to a game now, it's way worse than it used to be. Well, yeah, because the team's way worse than it used to be. Well, okay, even in what was the, when was the last good year we had? We were competitive 20, in twenty sixteen, sort of. Yeah, sure. Like I mean, we missed the playoffs by a little bit, but no, it wasn't, no, they it, they made they made the playoffs. That's the year they got beat by the Cubs. Yeah, because that's that's the year the Cubs won the World Series, like three days before you know our country started slipping away. I know it feels like it was eight, 18 years ago, but trust me, that that all checks out. I don't want to pull the thread, so I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> um, super, if it didn't cost $120 a year, I would register uh, oraclepark.sucks. But <laughs> I forget who it was. I think it was Michael Bloomberg who registered michaelbloomberg.sucks to to make sure nobody else uh, bought it. That's, that's really a top-level domain, .sucks. Do, oh, it's actually $330. God, um, yeah, if you go to Hover, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah, no, we've. I think we we've done that whole bit on the show before. I didn't know there, that there are no bits on here, but you can have <laughs> oraclepark.accountant for thirty three dollars a uh, thirty three dollars a year. What about oraclepark.tv? But I bet that I bet that's expensive. You have to get oraclepark.fm. Mm. We 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 got screwed in the, in the sense that we um, were on the tail end when we started the show of when everybody was like, "Hey, let's make our podcasting thing .tv." And then people transitioned over to .fm, and now we're too lazy to switch it. And also, I think the .fm costs like $80 a year. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's, there's, no, there's no budget for that. <laughs> I always wonder, like, should I buy it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I need that money for the trash can. <laughs> let's, uh, let's save that, uh, save that money for uh, our annual dinner at Pico. Mm, oh, it's a business expense now. Sweet. <laughs> that's right. Tag, the, tax the deductible guy. under the new tax law, I think. Yeah, the guy who cuts the checks, which is, which is you. Mm-hmm. Is, do I need to insert any kind of disclaimer about giving tax advice here? Or did, well, we'll, we'll, we'll let that one go. That was a free. That was a freebie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you explain tax brackets to me? Uh, I used to be able to. Not sure anymore, though. I forget. This is not interesting. But like, but it was on the internet for a minute. Like, I, I, I've, I've forgotten everything that happened this week, which is which is really upsetting. But there was a thing where. There was a big discussion online of people misunderstanding. Oh, it was ugh, the the Ocasio Cortez thing, where she was talking about the um, like honestly, I've had to block Twitter again because I'm tired of seeing her name pop up. But where she did the thing where she's like, oh yeah, let's tax the wealthy at seventy percent to pay for a new green deal, and then a bunch of like uh, right wing politicians were super disingenuously uh, suggesting that that meant. 
like all income was going to be taxed at 70%. And then there's this whole argument where it actually turns out a lot of people don't understand how tax brackets work. And it's this really old thing, which I'm sure you've heard of, of people like like uh, deferring promotions and raises because they don't want to make more money because they think they'll make less money. Is that something you've ever heard? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we don't teach uh, finance or anything important in schools anymore. Almost. Yeah. Can you get us on track and talk about anything that's actually on the agenda? Uh, yeah, let's, I mean, the, the Oracle Park stuff really kind of threw, threw a wrench uh, into things here, but we can, we can do our best. So here's what's challenging about the agenda this week is the true follow-up section actually kind of is eight years is kind of the main topic here yeah let's, um, let's defer or let or let's let's push back the apple stuff for at least a few minutes okay so we're gonna i mean i, I listeners are gonna be upset by this but we're gonna do follow-up later in the show you know i i hope i hope that's okay um so here's what i want to start with this is not going to be a happier topic but so we were kind of chatting a little bit offline online about and I, I'm I'm doing my my famous air quotes here, health foods, and this is kind of this is kind of a it's kind of a bee in my bonnet a little bit. And I, I got the sense from you that it it was for you as well. Are we are we, are we talking about granola bars? Granola bars are definitely a category that comes to mind. But actually, what prompted this was I saw an ad for Oprah is affiliating herself with this line of cauliflower crust pizza frozen pizzas this is what the show's become okay mm-hmm. and i sent you a link and you you know went right to the nutritional facts and discovered that despite these things being marketed as kind of a healthier alternative to traditional frozen pizza that in fact they are just as bad if not worse in some regards than lots of frozen pizza and that's true of a lot of foods that market themselves as being healthy, when you kind of drill down into the nutritional facts, you end up seeing a bunch of artificial ingredients and sugar and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, I just learned that I don't know how to spell cauliflower. Um, it's not F-L-O-U-R. That's that's a bummer. But yeah, that's that's the thing where if you go to... We tried Oprah. Okay, so let me go to food and wine, foodandwine.com. We tried Oprah's new cauliflower pizza, and we have feelings. Very millennial focused. But yeah, the um, if you compare it to like your standard like CPK, like frozen pizza or something that you'd, you'd buy and take home, like this, this pizza actually has way more calories in it and is way fattier than, um, than the other one or than, the, than your standard one. And that's kind of the case with a whole bunch of stuff. Like, do you remember, because you were a, you were alive in the 90s of course you are um back when fat free ended up being a huge thing Mm -hmm. and uh nobody realized that it could be fat because sugar isn't fat until it's metabolized so therefore it could have tons of sugar in it and it could still be allegedly fat free which meant it tasted horrible and you also uh were ingesting tons and tons of sugar and that's kind of how so much food sort of is and even though everything's moving to Oh, hey, fewer preservatives and more um, honest ingredients, quote unquote, and stuff like that. A lot of times it's not better for you. Yeah, it, it's really not. And you mentioned granola bars. 
to me, they're the the worst offender. And it, it's really around sugar, where, yes, it might be true that they have all natural ingredients, but you look at the nutritional facts and the ingredients list, and you're looking at 20 grams of sugar and sugar being either the first or second most common ingredient. Can, real quick, uh, a life pro tip that I didn't understand until like two weeks ago, is that on the nutrition facts, they list it in order of descending uh, like percent content inside yeah. the food. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what you got to look for. Yeah, so that's... Um, no, you're totally right. Where we, we were discussing uh, preferred uh, like nutrition... And that's and that's another like super misleading like efficiency studio like style phrase where it's not a nutrition bar it's an adult candy not I gotta stop saying mm-hmm. that. yeah like adult furniture store but like it, it's mm-hmm, like it's an mm-hmm. adult candy bar where it's like not necessarily as tasty as like just getting a payday um, or like a Three Musketeers but it's almost as bad for you and there's just like weird like esoteric. Um, dates and and like cranberries and stuff and it made the mix taste bad but it's almost just as bad nutritionally one I, what i've really come to realize now in my my wise old age is mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to eat healthier you, you gotta just not be eating prepackaged stuff anything that's prepackaged no matter how much it brands itself as being healthy <laughs> is generally not yeah, and the biggest offender, or not biggest offender, I, sh- I like I'm I'm sure well it does st- still have a lot of sugar in it, but uh, I'm going to take this moment to like say RX bars are gross as hell. Yeah, they are, and I and I know they have been spending tons of money on podcasting um, ads and stuff like that, and it's semi beloved in the tech community, sort of, but they're just so gross. They have like this weird texture. They're not that tasty, and they're also not that good for you. So I I I don't get that deal. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about like, in terms of good ones, there are a couple of kind bars that are fairly filling and limit the sugar to like six or nine grams of sugar. Like the best one that's a crowd pleaser is the peanut butter and dark chocolate one. And that one's nine grams of sugar. There's also a almond and dark chocolate one that I think is six grams. That's pretty all right. Yeah. Kind, kind is, is pretty good. Um, Cliff bars are like when I think of this topic, they're they're the company that I think of as being kind of the worst offenders. And I I don't mean it in the sense that their stuff is bad. I, there, there's actually Cliff bars that I really like, but well, it's just like the the candy bar fine line is is super yeah they're, yeah they're straddling the line. Like they've they've got these new nut butter filled bars, uh, <laughs> and they're they're really good. But I mean it it tastes and I mean, basically is when you look at the what's in it, just, it's just eating a candy bar. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and also, uh, built, uh, a cliff bar has, um, a line called builder bars, which are super delicious. Um, let me see if I can find the one that I like. Um, yeah. Allegedly it has, is this builder bars? It's like when you're looking to get like yoked at the gym or what? Oh, when I'm trying to get jacked, like uh, get swole. like mm-hmm. like Jeff, yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, or weird week to bring that up. Um, let me make sure I'm not sending this to myself. I'm actually sending it to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, last week I was sending a bunch of stuff in a DM to myself and I didn't hear out till uh but you but you're a professional, so you don't bring that shit up. No, no, no. We cut all that out. But yeah, but with this Cliff Builder bar, which is like, hey, twenty grams of protein or something like that. Um, it has uh twenty one grams of sugar and oh my God. it's really bad for you and five grams of saturated fat. Like it, th- these are not good for you. Or I assume it's like Gatorade where if you are working out a whole ton you're gonna burn it off or it does replenish something but if you're just at work and you're like oh yeah i don't have time to to go somewhere and this is probably better than chipotle it's like eh, maybe maybe not you know <laughs> on cliff's website you can buy them in a 144 pack jeez <laughs> oh good um yeah it's not good they have uh fruit smoothie filled bars apparently also, regular Cliff Bars are super gross. Cliff Bars are really, really hit or miss. Mostly miss, but there are a handful that are pretty good. Yeah, like I've always found regular Cliff Bars. Have you ever had an uh, an earthquake kit? No, but we really should. Yeah, you got you got to protect your family. But like, but yeah. the but the um, earthquake kits always come with that stuff that's supposed to like it's supposed to be f- like food for a month that lasts forever. <laughs> it's just just cliff bars <laughs> but not no but like in, in, in the reverse which is like it's not that the earthquake food is trying to be a cliff bar it's i don't know it's just fruit smoothie filled god that that seems yeah. so disgusting i would try this uh this wild blueberry acai flavor i would try that that's just buzzwords that's that that's a sales force of protein bars wonder if they they must have the nutritional facts listed here right they do they have them collapsed under a thing obviously. oh yeah open full nutritional info here yeah, we go this is this is like the itunes terms and conditions so this for one bar 230 calories it's well calories are the, calories are not necessarily the best measure of of nutrition no no, content. no no very true um 29 grams of carbs uh 2.5 grams of saturated fat so twelve percent of your daily value in saturated fat with one little bar, not great, and eleven grams of sugar. Which uh, the sugars, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, there's got to be actual news. That's not this. <laughs> but yeah, that that is always a bummer. You you have to check the facts, and you can't just because it says natural or or organic on it means absolutely nothing. Right. So just like the same thing where the the fifty cent thing where vitamin water is just another way to get a bunch of sugar in your body from Coca Cola. Yeah, the, the we don't want to go down that road. But you you mentioned Gatorade early earlier. Vitamin water is the same way. All that stuff is just yeah, just sugar water. That's why I'm I'm super uh, heavy into the uh, the sparkling water because like uh, in the past, like when I excise soda from my life, like just sparkling water is amazing, mm-hmm. and yep. it's eighty percent of the way there. If if like if Sprite or something was your thing, sparkling water is is pretty great. Yeah, I sparkling water completely changed what i drink during the day which for the better um okay let, let's pivot into some of the t-word stuff here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i want to know about you sent me this screenshot uh, earlier this week in the thing of about like, uh your phone doing some fancy nfc stuff because N- oh, nfc that, that when it was uh well so that's that's what i want to hear about so because nfc you know famously like every other technology was kind of late to the iphone they they call that throwing shade. And then even when it was added to the phone, it was strictly limited to Apple Pay. 
And I guess as part of, I don't know if this was iOS 11 or iOS 12, they did, or maybe both, they did start to slowly add expanded functionality to NFC, but I've actually never experienced it. And it sounded like until this thing happened to you that you hadn't either. So so where did this come up and how did it work? Or <laughs> I guess, did it, it work? Didn't. It that sounds like no. So... Sony has a really mediocre camera companion application uh, called Play Memories, because, of course, everything with Sony is weird. Um, mm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's just a very, very thoughtful branding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, like, somebody uh, made a really well-designed application that was supposed to be kind of like a, a third-party replacement to that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And when I opened it up, it had a thing, instead of having to do the usual, like, because the, the, for the camera, it will generally broadcast like its own ad hoc Wi-Fi network, and then you connect your phone to that, so that the camera is like the router, so that you can do um, a data transfer that's fairly high bandwidth between the two devices. So that's always been, especially since iOS has generally not ever used either QR codes or NFC for anything. It's always kind of a huge pain in the butt to have to flip over to settings and connect to that ad hoc network and ios never really likes to connect to those anyway so like yeah like it said connect via nfc i'm like oh yeah last year's wwdc they were like yeah that's totally a thing we're going to enable and it didn't work but i don't i don't know it, it's just it's just one dude in in england try, trying to make this app so i i'll hopefully it'll work in the future but the app itself works great over just the standard ad hoc thing so it, it literally just like aired out or something no like like a jackass i'm like tapping my phone all over the camera and i'm like i, I know where the nfc tag in the thing in the camera is but it just it does nothing mm. like i assume that's one of those things where if you have an iphone 10 and a 10r versus an 8 like the getting that stuff to work consistently is probably difficult and that's where if you're just one random dude that's probably hard to implement but it was literally the only app that i've ever seen that on iOS was using NFC for non-payments type stuff. So I, I've i had the same experience with ad hoc networks and, and trying to connect to them with my iPhone and, and iPad. Is that just an iOS thing where those the, any device with running iOS just doesn't like to connect to those networks? Or is that is that in Android too? Or like... It's not so much on Android, but it is probably for the best in the sense that Apple is... Whenever you connect to a Wi-Fi network, it will always try to go to captive.apple.com first to see if it's a valid web address or like if if the uh, Wi-Fi you're connecting to actually has an active internet connection. So that way, if you connect to a network that doesn't actually go anywhere, you're not going into a non-connected state. So for the vast majority of cases, that is the smarter thing to do. But for stuff like this, where like if you're ever setting, because like this is super common with smart home devices. Mm-hmm, like if you're mm-hmm. trying to connect, it's always like, hey, connect to this this uh, this Wi-Fi thing, and then go to one nine two dot one six. It's like it, it makes you do some dumb stuff. Um, and all the all the uh, Echo family products make you do this too. Um, yeah, iOS really doesn't love that. Like you actually have to stay inside the settings app, and if you switch away too quickly, the phone's like, nah, no, no, yes. this doesn't have an actual internet connection. I'm, I want the safety of AT and T five G. So I, I had that experience when I had that Canon DSLR for a minute last year or two years ago, and then more recently ran into that with some Wemo switches that I set up for our Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. That they you set those up exactly like you just described, where you you know go into your Wi-Fi page after you plug in 
one of the, the plugs and you look for the, the network name, you connect to it, and then you hop back into the app. But you're totally right where there's a timing thing there where if you leave the settings page too quickly, it won't stay connected. And then when you go into the app, it says you're not connected. So then you're going to go back. It's, it's kind of a mess. Yeah, and then so, like just because your home Wi-Fi network, like you're probably generally doing that stuff at home, and your home Wi-Fi network, the phone loves, and, and it's probably fairly fast and has good a good signal strength, versus this one random ass thing broadcasting a, a Wi-Fi connection from like a smart plug. Right. So yeah, that, that's always tricky. See, it's it's frustrating because the capability is there, and yeah, the best way you can see it is when you set up uh, an Apple TV, and you you can do the whole thing where. You just rest your well, iPhone, that's a, that, but that's a Bluetooth low energy thing, and that's more. Is that costly. not a, is that not an NFC thing? No, no. Hmm. That's a. It's like the Apple Watch, like time of flight. It's, it's like that nonsense. It's like where Got if it. you ever have an iPhone and you power it up next to an already powered on iPhone, it's like, hey, I see another Bluetooth device super near me that is from a like a maker I trust. I'm going to offer to set it up this way. Yeah, it's not NFC. It's it's Bluetooth uh, proximity stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, but that stuff is way more expensive to build into devices, which I assume why where margins and, and costs is everything. Smart home stuff can't really um, choose to adopt that, right? So yeah, so that that went nowhere, or like that particular app went nowhere. But that's okay. That's too bad. Um, actually, this is vaguely related. Um, so there was insane winds and rain on Sunday, mm-hmm. and my apartment lost power in in the middle of the day, and uh, when I wasn't home. And um, apparently it was out for so long that it exhausted uh, both of the uh, battery backups that I have. Mm. And, that, and that was weird. So when I came home, I was like, oh, shit, like, is, is, did, like, the roof cave in? Because, like, the, the, <laughs> the, well, because, no, like, the Comcast, like, my Nest Cam never reconnected, and it still said offline, like, five hours later. I was like, oh, shit. But, yeah, like, the, the UPS and eventually turned on, but it ran down whatever hour and 15 minutes that it can support my very power hungry uh, like server closet thing and yeah i was just wondering like what is your setup there do you have ups's and have you ever thought about like what happens to all your stuff if you lose power yeah i've thought a little bit about it i haven't really acted on it much i do have two ups units one one that i actually don't have hooked up now and then one that i have hooked up to the synology the the reason I have it hooked up to the Synology, though, really isn't so much about keeping it powered while the power's out. It's more just... It's a graceful shutdown. Exactly. Because yeah. you, you know, I also have it hooked up via USB to that UPS, and it, it's set up to you know automatically shut itself off after some period of time. Mm-hmm. So does that mean your, your router and your actual cable modem do not? So if you have like a quick brownout or like you lose power for a minute, that would shut down? Correct. And that's, I think, you know, I mean, we're going to be shuffling some things around in the house over the next 12 to 18 months. And I think that when it comes time to hook up the electronics in the room where the primary Eero and cable modem are, that's probably something I would change is hooking those up to a UPS so that in the event the power goes out, you know, we'll still have, you know, Wi-Fi for some period of time. Yeah. But no, I need, I need to get better about, um, like earthquake readiness and um, fire preparedness and power outage ready. And I, I need, I need to work on all that. So that is on our, my secret list of evergreen topics. Whenever there's a slow news week, if that ever happens, 
We will, we will get to that. Well, twenty sometime in twenty twenty five. We'll if we. Well, no. Well, yeah. So I mean, twenty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, twenty twenty five. So after the second term, and when uh, when Ivanka becomes president. Mm, right. Yeah. Or actually, Jared. Why not, Jared? Someone, uh, someone I follow on Twitter resurfaced. I guess she had excitedly posted about um, that. What was that? Juicer, Juicero? Did we ever? Oh, figure I'm out sure how to she had. That? Oh, it's Juicero. Juicero. Um, yeah, she had an excited tweet about that when that was first announced. I'm sure she did. Remember, we had that whole topic too. The Pete's had like a partnership with them. Did they? Yeah. yeah. Which I'm sure some, you know. I, mean, I think I made the same joke at the time. Some poor biz dev guy just, <laughs> just kind of struck out on that one. If you want to talk about food that you think there might be a guise that it's healthy, I actually think we've, we've talked about that as well, which is, yeah, Pete's breakfast Smooth, sandwiches. Smoothie. Oh. Are, are, are most, well, smoothies are, smoothies are the biggest boondoggle in the term, in like in mm-hmm. the, for health food. It's it's just a gigantic sugar bomb under the brick <laughs> of like, it's what also like when you think about like, hey, you're like you're sick, you should drink orange juice. No, that's like just 40, 40 grams of sugar. <laughs> like that's, that's no, just take some DayQuil and go to bed. Actually, NyQuil and go to bed, but yeah. Oh, and so that was the last thing about the, the power failure thing, which is very, very ominously is that whenever your Hubridge loses power and eventually comes back on, every single light in your house will be on at full brightness, which so, is terrifying as shit. So... They they just recently changed that. Ooh, there, well, there there was a big update to the Hue app a week or two ago, and one of the headlining features is you can set what you want your bulbs to do in the event the power goes out and then comes back on. So you can set hey. you can set bulb by bulb whether you want it to turn on after a power outage or whether you want it to remain off. So does this mean I have to upgrade my my super janky uh, Gen One Hubridge? Probably. I don't. I don't think so. No. I think it's because it, it was it it was um, added to it, just an update to the iOS app. I don't think it's dependent on which bridge you have. Hmm. May, I mean, maybe, but I, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know because yeah, that that was very startling. <laughs> yeah, like, we we had the power go out just briefly, you know, fifteen twenty minutes maybe a month ago during another storm we had recently, and yeah, the the most annoying thing was just the the hue lights because the, because the power also it kind of kept coming on and off, mm-hmm. and so and it was pretty late at night. It was around midnight or so, mm-hmm. and so like every two to five minutes, the, the hue lights all nice. came on. Assume your dog loved that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the lady friend did too. Well, I, I, mean, I had I had I had to explain again why we had the smart lights. <laughs> that if, whole thing, if you'd but... allow me to install a Tesla Powerwall on the house, mm-hmm. then this would happen. Yeah, I'm working on that. Oh, don't do it. Um. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's that. What else? What what, what other quick stuff do we have? Um. Yeah, I think I think that's mostly it. Uh, well, actually, do you want to let's let's talk about let's ease into the Apple stuff by talking about AirPlay two and iTunes Video or whatever it's called, and then oh, we'll talk. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's let's do that, and then we'll talk about the everybody else reacting to and covering their butts for a year of uh, wrong predictions. So I mean, these stories aren't entirely separate, but. But we can, yeah, we, we can talk about them separately. But I think that there'll be a point where... They converge. They converge, for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this actually... 
it's one of those things where I guess in the moment it felt like it came as a surprise, but then now having a couple of days to reflect on it kind of makes a lot of sense. So this was, I, I guess, kind of part of CES because all of these TVs that are going to support this are kind of being announced at CES. So I guess that's kind of the the, the reason for the timing here. Uh, but but the gist is that you know the iTunes Store and AirPlay Two and HomeKit and Siri compatibility, all of these services and software that have exclusively been on. Um, Apple hardware until recently, and then I guess like with AirPlay, AirPlay too, you've you've seen that come on some third-party speakers. But outside of that, you know, these technologies that are exclusive to Apple are now going to be basically be on every TV in the planet starting this year, um, with some kind of interesting exceptions. Where so you've got the iTunes Store where you're going to be able to, you know, rent movies and TV just like you can on, say, like Apple TV. That you're going to see on Samsung TVs and 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 only Samsung TVs. And the asterisk there is one of the weirdest realities is because Samsung's TVs uh, run a proprietary operating system called Tizen. So Apple is one of the, the foremost Tizen app authors now. And that's just so weird for a company that always held stuff so close to the vest. And they were always like, like, and I know don't ever bring up Steve Jobs, but the, like his whole thing was like, now we can't bring Like we'll, we'll limit the growth of the iPod to Mac if it means writing iTunes for windows. And now Apple's like writing funky software for funky, weird proprietary TV OS stuff. Like it's, 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 it's a weird day. Yeah. That, that is super strange. Um, and then I think the other kind of just, I don't know if strange is the right word, but just the other interesting part of this is, so it, it's iTunes and AirPlay 2 on Samsung TVs. And then on Vizio, no iTunes. But then in addition to AirPlay 2, you also get HomeKit integration. And I, that's the same with LG. You're going to get AirPlay 2, HomeKit, and then also Siri support. And then I, I guess with some of the other TV manufacturers, you're going to get, I guess, maybe just AirPlay 2 and, and maybe HomeKit in some cases. I'm, I'm not really sure. So there's going to be like kind yeah, of so, this. So Sony is definitely doing HomeKit and AirPlay 2, but it seems like with AirPlay 2, they're taking kind of like the Chromecast strategy, where it's like literally anything that you can shove this um, uh, local area network uh, like content delivery thing onto, that's what they're doing. Whereas before, Apple used to be like AirPlay to AirPlay is a rock solid and easy foolproof way to um, cast media from your various iOS and Apple devices onto a TV. And that that's the secret weapon of Apple TV, but new Apple that is super focused on disseminating services and in getting services revenue has uh, abandoned that. And that's not a judgment as to whether or not that's, this is a good or bad strategy, but it's so weird. And, and it's weird coincidental timing with the, um, with the uh, earnings forecast um, downgrade or like scaling that back and, and where Tim has been giving tons of interviews saying that services revenue is our future, uh, where this all comes out the exact same week of CES where Apple's just throwing out the old playbook and they're like, nope, you know what, Apple, like <laughs> we're giving an exclusive and we're giving the most, like we're giving the broadest feature set of stuff that used to be exclusive to Apple stuff to Samsung. Like, 
it's weird days. Yeah, that the the timing's not it's not entirely coincidental, but I I have to imagine that this is not exactly the the sequence that Apple probably envisioned and and certainly not the exact timing that Apple envisioned. Um but I I definitely the direction that Apple's going has I think led them to being more open with their services and and specifically, you know, services becoming a, a bigger part of their business. And, you know, maybe this is where the conversation starts to shift a little bit, but this is something that I, I, you know, said to you offline online, which is, you know, for years people have been clamoring for, you know, as you're famous for saying Apple's next big thing, kind of the, the successor to the iPhone, what's going to be their next big product category. And maybe this is it. Maybe expanded expanded services is Apple's next big play. Play, yes. Success, no. Well, I see. I, I don't know. I well. So so let well. Okay. So let, let's let's uh, pull on that thread, which is Apple has. Okay, I got to phrase this in a non-negative way. Actually, no. Apple has kind of abused its position on iOS as the default to bolster their um, streaming music service, which is sort of the right might be anti-competitive but who knows um so that's fine and that's been a big source of services revenue they kind of um they took itunes they made a big acquisition in beats and beats before the acquisition was actually one of the more interesting competitors to rdo and spotify and that kind of stuff like it, it, it was doing a lot of cool unique things and then Apple kind of bought that and rolled it into their own and used their incumbent advantage to try to shoehorn at that and, and extract an extra ten dollars a month from everybody which is a totally valid strategy. But now, like, I, so sure, services revenue, like, I, that, that's been Apple's, like, marching orders for the past two years. And it's, like, the fact that, like, they're trying to expand that part of the business, like, that's not a surprise. Like, in all their earnings reports, they keep highlighting, is it just called services and other products? Like, what's the catch-all name they have for Apple TV and Apple Watch? I think I think that's it, yeah. You know. Yes, like, they've been saying that that's, that's our, well, they haven't been saying, like, oh, yeah, the iPhone's a, a dead product. and. But they're like, you know, we want to diversify what we're doing, and that's going to be through services and this, like, other category. But I guess, and I'm not going to single out any one bad take this week, but I guess I don't, and this is some, and, and this is stuff we've talked about at length, and it's the same skepticism I've always shared about it, which is, I guess I don't see, like, music I understand, where it's kind of a logical fit, the resurgence of Apple was inherently tied to music and the iPod and stuff like that. And even though the I, Apple, like hell, even the Apple Watch is making more money than the iPod ever did. And that's a part of Apple's business that we think is actually really small at this point. But like for everybody that's clamoring for Apple's like next big hope to be a media company, like by proxy of like their push for services, I guess I'm still just not seeing that. Like, I, I, I don't see what Apple, even if Apple ha- hires all the right people and does all the right stuff with this, wh- what about them makes it that, like, they're more well-suited to succeed versus people who that's all they do? Especially when you think about the fact that Apple has some baggage in the sense that they don't 
like they kind of take like a moralistic approach to certain types of media. And that is something that might not be the case with other brands. Like, I guess I just don't see where Apple is going to succeed more than anybody else and how this is the direction the company needs to go in. Yeah. So lots to unpack there. I think, I think we're in agreement and most people would be in agreement that Apple does need to start looking at other lines of business post iPhone. That's, that's not to say that app, the iPhone's going away, but it's just being a public company like Apple is, there's always this hunger for growth. And the iPhone is certainly past its days of peak growth. It will continue to grow at some rate, but at a rate which is slower than a couple of years ago. And that's not what Wall Street's looking for. So there, so there's going to be this push for Apple to find kind of that next big high growth um, offering, I guess I'll say. But in, I'm going to put a link to Mike Hurley's kind of snarky tweet mm. uh, in, in the thing. Um, you know, so the first part of this tweet is other than the infuriating clapping emojis that are scattered throughout it is actually okay, which is you need to let go of your notion of what Apple is. They are changing fast in many ways. Okay. Yep. So, so, so far, so agreed. Boom. Nailed it. Here's where it goes a little wrong. And then here's, here's kind of the, the second point I'm trying to make here, which is, and the biggest, and the biggest right now is that they need to become a media company and they need to have done it two years ago. That's so Apple needs to do something else, you know, besides the iPhone now, if they want another high growth business. But this view that media is what they needed to get into is what I just, I just, I don't agree that that's what they had to get into. And I, you know, I I think, I guess I take a Jason Snell approach here, which is. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think we should take it as a given that this is going to work. I also don't think we should assume it's not going to work. I just think we should show it a level of skepticism. Because I think at this point, we don't really know one way or the other. And you can make arguments for why you don't think it's going to work or why you think it's going to work. But at this point, we just kind of don't know. So it's. I would say that it's not that it's not going to work. It's that is this a distraction or something that they're not primed to be the best at? Like, I just don't see like, there's no like uh, unfair advantage to use like a douchey Silicon Valley term. Like Apple, like Netflix and Hulu and hell, even Amazon now just have like so many like Hollywood and like industry connections and that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't see what Apple brings to the table. Like, Hell, like most of Netflix still runs on Amazon, so it's not like, uh, like for a distribution standpoint, like that Apple has like better CDNs, or they have better software, or they have better ways to reach people. Like Netflix has proven that they are going to put a Netflix client on if, like, if they could shoehorn a Netflix client into that fucking Amazon Alexa microwave, they would. <laughs> and like they. What, what like what does Apple have here? It's not taste because they're outsourcing the creative stuff. Like they're not outsourcing it, but like they're outsourcing it by insourcing it because they're hiring people to do it for them. But like these are like, I guess like I don't see what's going to make them better. I see the point that Apple needs to find new revenue streams and that kind of stuff in a in a, a healthy 
business is probably not one that is seeing plateauing growth yet still comprises like 65% of total revenues. But like, I guess like for this, specifically the video endeavor, I don't see why they're, I don't think like they're going to fail, but I just don't see why they would be poised to be successful compared to the companies where that's all they do. Like compared to Disney Plus or Hulu, once Disney figures out kind of like what their strategy is on putting like the Fox assets behind this different brand and kind of doubling down on Hulu being like a a destination source for video and not just a thing where you go to see week old episodes of like ABC sitcoms and stuff like that. Like, I guess I just don't see why Apple, why, like how, why they're going to do better than just okay at best. Well, okay. So let me try to answer that. So I think when you, when you consider what a streaming service needs to be good at in the, like, you know, as you would say, kind of 10,000 foot view, like the, the simplest breakdown of what a streaming service is, there's the software that powers the service, and then there's the content. And I think if you consider something like Disney Plus, we know the content is going to be good. But I think there's a huge question mark around what the actual software and what the actual service is going to be. Because Disney's never really done anything like that before. Well, but, but counterpoint, didn't they buy a controlling interest in um, BAMTech or whatever the MLB Advanced Media thing is? So they do have that. Well, I mean, potentially, but I mean, just because you buy technology doesn't mean you're going to implement it correctly. Well, but you bought the people. Yeah, but, or, I mean, well, but, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, they still have to execute on it and they don't, they don't have any kind of track record of, of doing so. They've got all the tools and, you know, the people they need, but you still got to go out and build it. So we'll, so we'll see. Okay. And I think with Apple, it's the flip side. I think they have a, and a, you know, insert your snarky comments about iOS and macOS here, but by and large, they are one of the best companies at making software and platforms. You know, I mean, iTunes for, again, all of its faults and all the things you want to make fun of it. I mean, it's still, you know, it's got to still be the world's biggest platform for movies and TV. But then there's a huge, there's a huge question mark around their content. So I, I guess what I would say is that all of these players who are entering the streaming world for the first time, there's there's question marks around all of them. It's just, you know, it's different things they've historically been good at and different things that they're kind of doing for the first time. Why would anybody spend their $12 on the Apple thing versus Netflix, where that's all they do? Well, because maybe the Apple content's going to be really good. I, I don't know. I mean, it's so so if so if you want to use your example of Disney going out in and you know having this controlling stake in Bam Tech or whatever it is and hiring all these people, I mean that's that's what Apple's doing, right? They're going out and hiring J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg, Jennifer Aniston, all of these well-known directors, producers, celebrities. So they're they're hiring people who have the experience, and now they're going to be working with them for the first time. That's so kind of kind of the same thing, right? I would disagree. Like, I mean, I know this is not all Apple is trying to do, but I'm just when when you look at the fact that um, 
like there was a story on this re- uh, this week, and I don't have the figure in front of me, but somebody was cataloging all of the original content and hours of original content Netflix has produced. And Netflix just has such a crazy advantage. And eventually, like we, we've lamented how like misguided in a lot of ways people are with cord cutting, thinking, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of my cable and I'm going to spend $13 on, on content and it's, everything's going to be great. But then they find out that they want to watch Patriot and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime. They want to watch um, whatever the hell is on Hulu, <laughs> uh, The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. And they want to watch Black Mirror and um, Ozark on Netflix. Like, I guess, like, those companies have such a big lead and commitment and also, like, back catalog to digital content. When you're fighting for that, um, like those customer dollars, like I, even if like that Jennifer Aniston show and whatever, like I wasn't around, so I don't know what amazing story is, but like, but if Apple has a couple of good shows, like, is somebody really gonna, like, I just don't see where a critical mass of people spend their money with Apple. Like, I mean, hell, like it's, it's hard enough to get people to not share their like HBO go password. Like, like HBO, like, yeah, HBO is another one. Showtime's another one. There's so many people making great content, but just like, why is it Apple's place to do it? I'm not saying they shouldn't or that they're going to fail, but like, I just, I'm really skeptical of this being a meaningful contributor versus just Apple spending a lot of money because they want some type of prestige media business that's beyond just being a rights distributor for music which is something that you've uh, commonly um, cited as like for Spotify and Pandora and the other companies where like, it's a really tough business. And if anything, it's going to be a loss leader where Apple can stomach that. But if they're spending so much money on original content for something where maybe they're churning out five series a year, or let's say they, they ramp it up and it's 15 series. When you compare that to everything uh, Netflix has, like that's, I just don't see it. So let me ask you this. So if, you know, creating original TV and movie content isn't what you think Apple's time is best spent at going forward. What what do you think they should be doing in this kind of slower iPhone growth era? They should be making new stuff. Like they they sh- they should find a like there there are products like and and I know what you're getting at. Like I I, I see your game already. Your whole point <laughs> is that you're trying to bring up that everything I'm about to say, and and I'll and I'll pl- and I'll fall into the trap, is that everything I'm about to say is about hardware and stuff that Apple's already good at allegedly, and that's kind of true. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll we'll go down this road. I would say that they need to figure out a way to make Siri better. They need to bring down the price on the HomePod, and they need to play competitively with the stuff that they're losing to everybody else at. Like Amazon has all like such massive penetration into the voice assistant space they i a couple of days ago roku announced that they have like 27 million like devices in use or something like that and then amazon didn't wasn't having it and they're like oh yeah here's a thing that like you've been doing that whole entire thing for like 11 years and we've been making fire sticks for like two and we have 30 million so like Apple treats the HomePod and the Apple TV and stuff like that, which could be huge growth categories as like these weird, super expensive prestige products. And I know like jokes on Gene Munster for like calling for an Apple TV every year for the past 15 years, although I think he finally gave up on it. Like if Apple 
I mean, I mean, maybe they'll do it with this video thing. Like, maybe they make a low-cost version of the Apple TV. But I think they could become more serious about not just having ultra-premium products in growth categories like Smart TV and stuff like that. They can keep iterating on Apple Watch. They can play around with AR glasses or whatever the hell they think the next thing's going to be. Or they could put their whole ass into the Mac because they're the only people making money in computers. I think that's a lot of what they should be spending their money on. But there's other stuff that I think is more like ripe for disruption and stuff like that. Like they made the acquisition of that texture company, which I think like finding a way to get people to pay for journalism and magazines. Like if Apple made a compelling like $15 a month subscription that or like maybe $20 a month that said, hey, you get access to the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Economist, and a couple other newspapers. And it's all it bundles into your Apple Music subscription. Like that would be amazing. And that's them facilitating commerce between other companies and them, skimming stuff off the top, which is what Apple loves to do. And like that seems to make more sense and have a much bigger potential for ROI than spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on original content that most people aren't going to want to sign up for. So yeah, so diversity, like they they need a whole ton of new revenue streams, but it's just the original video one that just confounds me. Because even if I look at the most positive, like the, the rosiest outlook, I don't see where it moves the needle. Like they they can keep thinking their their savior is going to be continuing to fuck people on iCloud storage, but like I mean that's that that's that's not a good plan. But that so I guess but I, I guess I just think that that's a narrow way of thinking about what Apple can do next. But I mean like they they can they can make they can make the HomePod. $99 and the Apple TV 4K $79 and they can make Siri 10 times better than any other voice assistant that's out there. They could do all three of those things. I love this future. I mean, I do too, but none of those products or services are going to really be anywhere close to a meaningful growth story for Apple. It's not like if they came out tomorrow and made the home pot a hundred dollars that that's all of a sudden going to become, you know, a fraction of what the iPhone is. And it's, I mean, same with Apple TV. I mean, yeah, they would sell a heck of a lot more than they are now, but it, it, that's not, that's not the next, again, to use your phrase, that's not, that's not the next big thing for them. So, I mean, I, I guess maybe I can ask a, a different question. That's kind of getting at the same thing. I mean, how did you feel about the iPhone? When it came out, did you I mean were you were you worried about Apple getting into some you know weird new smartphone category? Leading the witness, I don't I don't know where you're going with this. I was optimistic about it, but I mean, it, there, but what, there was there was no part of you that's like, hey, why is this computer company no making no a smartphone no? Because that's the thing, like that's where. Apple, like that's Apple's advantage. That's like any companies have, like just making entertainment is such, oh my God, this is going to be a dumb thing to say. Like it's such a, like a commodity where like there's, like, that's the thing. There's nothing proprietary about it. If Apple, like if their deal is we're just going to give a bunch of money to people we know are super creative and basically we're just going to be like a dumb pipe and an app wrapper around 
this show that somebody else wanted to make and we just financed it. Like that's not, that's such a world of difference compared to a company that has known personal computing for 20 years thinking, you know what? Most of these smartphones are like absolute garbage. Palm OS, like they want you to like use this tiny stylus and a resistive touch pen. The trio is, is just a mess. Like Blackberry has this weird thumb wheel on the side. People are like breaking, like this is, this is all terrible. You know what? We're going to use everything we've learned over the past two decades, making the easiest to use personal computers, and we're just going to change everything. That's what the iPhone was. Like there was still some nervousness about pricing and a whole bunch of other stuff and whether or not it would succeed. And Apple totally could have failed, but they were doing something that was novel, hadn't been done before, and they actually had a good chance at success. Whereas trying to be an also ran HBO Go, like I think that isn't isn't that the like best case scenario? Is that there may be a more successful HBO OTT sub? Like in terms of making prestige content? I mean I guess I guess I don't I don't know. I mean I I guess that that's a a possible outcome. But I I guess what I would kind of push back on here is to me, I would much rather Apple take some chances as opposed to just try to fit what they're doing next kind of into what they're already doing. Like I, I'm like I'm much more interested to see how this media endeavor goes than I am about a cheaper HomePod or a cheaper Apple TV or a better Siri. That's fair. But I still haven't heard a case for why they're better at it. Why, what, like what, what their recipe for success is compared to somebody else. I, I, I don't have, I don't have a good one. I'm, I'm just saying that I, I think it's, I think it's interesting to see Apple try new stuff. Like they totally should be able to do that. But I guess I'm, the suggestion that this is the next big re- like or that this is a like that this is going to be a wor- like a viable substantial contributor to their revenue going forward i don't see it when you think about how much the content costs and whether or not this is like a positive roi type situation like i i, I just don't i i see nothing about that when you think about the massive capital investment that netflix is doing to make just this in like almost everything that anybody wants to watch or that's cool is on Netflix or HBO in the entire media landscape. And that's because Netflix is spending just so much money to do so. Like they have entirely cornered like the comedy space. They are making like, didn't they win the most uh, Emmys or like, wasn't that their thing? I think so. Yeah. Like I like, and I know that's maybe Apple wants that prestige of like having a, an award-winning drama or something like that. But like, I just don't, I don't understand how that's a benchmark that's important for a computer. Oh, almost stepped into that. Actually, no, I'll say it, like that, that's for a computer company. Like I, I, I don't see it. It's something they can do. That's cool, but I don't see the. Even if I'm optimistic, I don't see the the huge upside there. And you know what? You might be totally right, but i i kind of I kind of want to see him try. You just want to see Eddie Q on stage more. I, that's true. No, that that's that's totally fair. Also, hold on, um, Eddie Q, Samsung, Apple. 
I really... <laughs> I like that I type in EddieQ Samsung Apple into Google, and the second result is EddieQ overextended falling asleep in meetings. <laughs> uh, but no, it's the third result that I was looking for. Um, Q. I, this is just my favorite quote of the year. And I know it's, we're only like eight days into the year, but... We look forward to bringing the iTunes and AirPlay 2 experience to even more customers around the world through Samsung Smart TVs. So iPhone, iPad, and Mac users have yet another way to enjoy all their favorite content on the biggest screen at home, said Eddie Q, Senior Vice President of Inter Internet Software and Services at Apple. Uh, and this is, of course, on the Samsung Newsroom. God, what a, what a world. That's just so weird. I don't know. Anyway, weird, weird enemies, or weird frenemies now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I get your point because the whole the whole like impetus of the conversation is that Apple had that big, uh, what what do you call it? It's not a, it's not a downgrade, like a revision to their sales forecast in a negative way, where everybody's looking at the sustainability of the iPhone and kind of whether or not they think they're going to um, scale back their uh, big push for higher ASP and the lengthening upgrade cycles and like that. Where people are nervous that Apple is too reliant on the iPhone for the revenue and that they need to diversify that kind of stuff. And yeah, and, and Tim and Apple in general have been talking about for years that that's going to be services and that's where this all comes from. Because yeah, it, even though the, the Apple Watch, I would say, like, do you think the Apple Watch is more successful or less successful than Apple wanted? I, I imagine it's, it's probably about what they expected. And that's the thing where it's not like, even though, like, I would say it's probably like, it's, it's more successful than I thought it would be. And it's still not that meaningful a contributor to their overall revenue. And that's weird. And no, but if, if Apple, if, if anybody thought that the Apple watch was going to be like the next iPhone for Apple, that's, that's just, it's just kind of stupid. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying like match it in terms of revenue. But in terms like I don't like it's the same thing where like like every time they're like there's a Gene Munster like Apple's gonna make a TV Apple's gonna make a car like there's all this weird stuff where they're like that's the new thing where the Apple Watch is probably as successful as anybody reasonably could have thought it would be and it's kind of like the iPad where maybe it's it's maybe I don't know seven nine percent of revenues which which is a very healthy business like most people would kill for that kind of business but for Apple because the iPhone is just so massive. It's it's tough for them to break out of its shadow, even though other teams are doing great work and they're making some pretty solid stuff. Right, and and to go back to you know Mike's tweet, you know to his credit, he kind of he, went back he and re it. he walked it back a bit and and kind of said that specifically them having to become a media company was probably not the right choice of words, and rather the the sentiment here, which again I think is the part that we agree with, is you know Apple's changing. And the, the other part of his tweet that I agree with, too, that he's getting at is Apple needed to be doing this sooner. They really shouldn't have been waiting until peak iPhone growth was over until they really started, you know, to use your another one of your famous phrases, you know, doubling down on mm -hmm. other areas. So that's so that's the thing where I, I this is where I would be more amenable to your point. If Apple was thinking of launching a streaming video service and a, with original content on it in 2014, I would say this conversation is a billion times different. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the fact that Netflix, like, just like, I, I'm not sure there's anything that can ever get me to cancel Netflix. 
like Netflix is basically like I'm not somebody who binge watches stuff like all day long, but like Netflix gives me enough value where like it's basically like utility at this point. Where I like I don't see where Apple in 2019 does that. No matter how good their stuff is. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, the, the the timing thing is totally different, and that's right. where I think yeah th- that that makes way more sense, right? Um, um, but yeah, I guess I just you know, if it's not if it's not media, I'm not, I guess there, I'm not really sure what else Apple should be pushing hard on right now. Like I, I can't think of another product category or service type that. Apple needs to come in and disrupt right now. Light bulbs. <laughs> um, if they can reduce the free iCloud space to two gigs. Oh, that might choose some revenues, but yeah, it's it's really tough. Just because, like, there there are all these business things where, like, Apple, like, people are like, oh yeah, I wish Apple would do that. Like, they're like, I want them to get back into routers. I want them to get back into displays. I want them to do this. I want them to do that. And Apple, even though they're a sprawling big company now, like, that's it's hard to maintain focus. And I guess that's another reason why I'm negative on it, where I know like the people who are out shooting, like, and, and that's one of the big things where I think is a fair knock that people who are in favor of this idea have, which is like the people who are writing, like who are doing quality control for iOS and like making sure the keyboard doesn't crash and the camera gets better. Those are not the people who are out writing scripts for these TV shows. Like they're different people. They're a big company. And I, and I get that. It's just like, is is this the best use of the resources and is this a distraction for the company? Like overall, is the health of the company better or worse because they're spending, like some amount of Tim Cook's attention is now being spent on, hey, are we making good TV? And I'm not sure that's the best use of his time. We'll see. Yep. Um, Did you watch the Jim Cramer interview? I didn't, no. It was, oh man. The only the thing we didn't talk about last week, and this is this is follow out, which is which is the one where you talk about other podcasts. Follow I'm, out, I think. I'm not sure. Follow, yeah, follow sideways. Uh, like where uh, uh, John Syracuse on ATP was not having it in terms of the three things Tim said he was going to do to make it easier, like to kind of fix the iPhone growth problem. Which his big three were, Tim said that they're going to make it easier in retail stores to transfer your data. Or to get help in transferring your data, and John rightfully said, "Like that, that's that, just make it easier to do it at home. Like that, that's that's the wrong approach to it. To make it easier to trade in your phone and put it on like a financing plan. Like every solution that Tim put forward for the iPhone thing is just like weird financial engineering. Do you do you find that concerning at all? And like because it, 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 it all kind of rang in the same way as the." Um, blaming the battery replacement thing where it's kind of like that's not really addressing the problem dude i would say in general i'm a little concerned about apple being honest with itself because it doesn't really seem like they are Uh, uh, unpack that 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 hmm. like with you know with the whole pricing issue like I, i guess i'm a little concerned that Apple maybe still doesn't think that these new iPhones are priced too high and that maybe it really is larger macroeconomic and, you know, buying habit 
um, changes with like carrier subsidies going away and so like, all these things that they're citing, mm-hmm. which maybe around the edges do have an impact, but the core issue around pricing maybe isn't something that they're kind of willing to admit to even internally yet. Like I'd, I'd be concerned about that. That's, hmm. And like, even with the, um, you can, this is tangentially related, but you even kind of see that in the way that they've marketed the iPad around being kind of this computer replacement, which is, which is really not. <laughs> and <laughs> it's more of a religious debate, but yeah, but, but they're, but they're marketing it that way, at least in, in some ways. I think in one in one advertising campaign in particular, but yeah, that's because um, no, when that when the iPad Pro, uh, Pro came out, what was what was the tagline? It was like super period computer or something. Like they tried really hard to 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 act like it, like to make up for the fact that it is the price of a full computer to make it seem like it it is a computer. Right. Yeah, that's hmm. and that's. I mean, I just that that doesn't feel very genuine to me yeah and also when you think about it just like if you compare ipad and mac revenues they're not actually i haven't checked this but they're not actually that different are they i they're they're in the ballpark in the in the oracle ballpark you know range damn it <laughs> um i love it apple.com still says iphone 10 are from 449 Ugh. i would thought i would have thought they would have taken back that little bit of desperation after they dropped the bomb on people but you know God, it's it's so weird to see an Apple website with with an asterisk on it next to a price, and that's exactly where I think you actually um, that's something I hadn't thought about. Like where Apple is not deluding itself, but like they're just not being honest with themselves of what something costs. Like I I don't see what's going to change in the next eighteen months that's going to explain what like their strategy is in India and to a lesser extent China. Like nothing like they're just gonna keep making super expensive shit because it's probably too late to change it because like that's the whole thing where everybody always brings up like you're uh, like apple plans new iphones like because every time there's like a rumor thing where somebody's like oh yeah that's gonna have touch id on the back and like stuff like that they're like no they've they've thought like face id has probably been in the works and was finalized since like 2015 well that's where like th- if they're suddenly thinking oh shit these phones are too expensive can they even fix it well, that, that's, that's why I'm concerned. If Apple's not being honest with itself about what its kind of underlying problems are currently, the way that they're set up, you know, even if they do come to that realization tomorrow, it's not, it's not too late, but it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take them a long time to kind of unwind the, the problems they're currently having. And it, it gets back to the, the timing thing we were talking about earlier, where Apple just needed to be thinking about all of this years ago. Well, yeah, and just because, like, when and because, like, T-Mobile took the lead on this in the U.S. and that kind of stuff. But it's it's been the same thing around the world for a while, which is like, yeah, the, this this I this subsidy thing is not a new thing. Like that that's like major carriers in the U.S. have unwound that. Like it's been a full two years to to three years that that's been gone. H- how is it 2019 and that's your excuse? Well, and as a computer company, allegedly, they <laughs> they should also know that as 
hardware matures and as the operating system that runs on that hardware matures, people's buying habits change. I mean, we we were talking about this, I think, last week, you know, in the heyday of kind of like the gigahertz race, you know, there were there were meaningful upgrades to computer hardware seemingly like every month or two, like literally, you know, huge changes in performance that would materially change the way that your computer worked on a on a daily basis. And that we're just that 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 just isn't the world we're in now where even really, really inexpensive laptops, the processors and the amount of memory that they have is totally sufficient for most people. And then, you know, with Windows and Mac OS or, you know, OS ten as you still like to call it, or OS X, sorry. Um you know, they're, they're, those operating systems just aren't really doing the interesting things that they they did in their early days. And you just you would think that Apple would have seen that with the iPhone that hey, this thing is just it's it's kind of on its natural maturity growth where we're just not going to have the exciting story to tell every year, and as a result of that, people aren't going to be replacing their phones every twenty four months, maybe like they used to. So all, all of that's true, and like, and, and that's a good uh, like uh, reference point, which is like eventually computers got fast enough, and there's weren't really new applications and stuff like that that dramatically changed what people needed from it. So therefore, like the fact that new computers were faster weren't really a thing. But I think like the last big thing to kind of round this out is that like whoever, because I think that's probably really hard to find at this point, but Apple probably really hates whoever it was. And I think it was some person on Reddit who was who like found out the way in which, or at least found a way to publicize the way in which Apple was throttling the phones. Like it, it, even though Apple was doing what they probably thought was the right thing to avoid, because like it was always a big thing where like, and I think even the upgrade side of this, which was like that there was a thing where opening the camera takes a lot of processing power, and when iPhone batteries were getting old. On iPhone 6 or something, you'd swipe to open the camera and your phone would just turn off because, like, the processor just couldn't handle it. Um, and, like, it really sounds from all these statements, and especially the fact that, like, Tim is even saying, oh, yeah, the batteries are what's really costing us, that they were to either, whether it was intellectual dishonesty or just willful ignorance, that they were totally cool with the people thinking their phones were toast after two years and having to buy a new one and that they were that it was that that was okay and that was part of the business plan which which is fine like you're not required legally to advertise things that make you less money like i mean we, we talk about moral capitalism and all that kind of stuff but like that that's that's not a requirement but it sounds like whoever managed to publicize the fact that your iphone should last more than two years really screwed apple maybe um, like you don't you don't think that whole thing about like everybody being like oh yeah you know the thing where it's it, you always kind of worry that apple's like a plan like there's planned ob obsolescence here and like every bit of like lazy general purpose news was like yep apple's throttling your phone and they had to go and do this whole like um at cost or really close to cost battery replacement thing to to um placate people like that was a huge controversy and the apple stores like were still backed up 
with people just coming in to replace the batteries on their old phone because that was good enough. If that had never come out, that like because a lot of people like even if they were like, oh yeah, the camera's good enough and the phone's fast enough. If your battery only lasts an hour and a half, that's you're going to get a new phone, and you just think that's the way it is. I'm I'm still a little skeptical that I I. Well, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of Tim's BS about the battery replacements are really making a big difference. But I think that psychologically told people that you know what, your phone's still okay. I mean, I, I guess it's it's possible that that story broke through in a way that maybe I'm underestimating. Because I think like in, in like just you and and probably like in like because you associate more with word people and stuff like that like your people who are upgrading at least every year to every two years probably probably not meeting a lot of people that are still using five s's right so like i think i think it's just kind of the part of that bubble thing yeah that's that's probably fair yeah i don't know anyway uh, and so we can round out the show and we'll get to chef specials i can I ask one last apple thing uh sure well actually did you read the mg siegler thing no i'm i'm not i'm not his biggest fan in general Okay, well, I'm going to put a, a link in, and you should. It's it's a it's a really thoughtful article, and, and people should go read it, and and it's pretty brief. But um, I don't actually think he, I'm not sure if he uh, refers to it. Specific. Actually, he does. Um, it's the idea as he as he talks about it, IP AAS, uh, like iPhone as a service, and Apple Prime. So, have you heard of this floated by people? Yeah, uh, they've they've mentioned this on Upgrade a few times. So, like, what's what's your thinking on an like an all-in Apple subscription service? Like, it's like Mike. I think even Microsoft has like a thing where you can now get like a Surface on like a perpetual payment plan or upgrade plan stuff like that. Like, what do you, what do you think about like a seventy-five dollar a month thing? Like, it's Apple Music. I don't, I don't. I don't love this this thing that that people like to do. It's, it seems especially in in the T word circles where. Like when one company does something successful or has a successful model, like everybody else needs to do that. So, you know, because Amazon Prime is this huge success for Amazon, everybody else needs to have some kind of Prime-like service. Like to me, I always think of the Apple needs to make a netbook argument. Well, this could also be used as Apple needs to make a video service. Yeah, 100%. Yes. I, I think that's that's totally right. So I I'm always a little skeptical that like Apple needs to do something or needs to have a particular offering just because some other company's done it and it's and it's been successful. But you don't think this solves the problem because like because you are you don't just upgrade every year. You actually I mean you do, but you you um you do it in the sanctioned way where you are part of the iPhone upgrade program, right? Yes. So like, does why why don't you think that that should be expanded out? Where maybe instead of it being whatever fifty six dollars a month you're financing your ten um, S Max as, that it's not seventy five dollars a month, but you get five hundred gigs of iCloud space, you get Apple Music, you get the Apple Video Service, you get their forthcoming, uh, whatever they're renaming texture, uh, the, like the magazine thing. Like why why don't why isn't there just a thing? Like why why do you feel that it's not in the cards for there just to be like a Here's your fast pass or your all access thing to everything Apple. Because I don't want everything Apple. I don't want Apple Music. I don't want whatever their texture thing is. I don't need 500 gigabytes of iCloud storage. I don't. There's a lot in that package that I just don't want. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, people seem super enthusiastic about this idea. 
And like, I know the, the prime name isn't just, but I don't know. Like, it seems like some people like, cause this like American, well, like this is, this is very like ethnocentric, but like, but Americans love things on a monthly price where you don't see what things actually cost. Um, and that's where it kind of seems like it would work. And that's most of what the iPhone upgrade program is. So if they can find a way to find some compelling price point to lump in all of their services junk into the cost of an iPhone and everybody always always has a new phone, that fixes the upgrade cycle problem. Yeah, but I but here's where I would push back a little bit. The iPhone upgrade program is literally just the cost of an iPhone plus Apple Care. The, the sum of those two things divided by 24. There's no additional fees. There's no additional add-ons. It's literally just the phone and Apple Care, and, and that's why I like it because that's what I want. I want an iPhone. I want Apple Care, and that's it. So if you're going to offer me something similar, but you're adding extra cost onto it for stuff that I just don't really want, that's a lot less interesting to me. Like, like, like as an example, like if the iPhone upgrade program had a bunch of extra fees or if it had some other types of add-ons that I didn't want, then what I would probably do is just buy iPhones outright, sell them on eBay each year, and then buy the new phone and go through that cycle. But, you know, the iPhone upgrade program, because it doesn't have any of those extras, is just a more convenient way for me to then basically do the same thing directly with Apple. I think... I can see where it doesn't fit for you, but honestly, I think the like within the next two years, Apple is going to try something like this. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that they're not going to. I, I I'm just making the I'm making the case that I haven't really heard a compelling story outside of well, Amazon did it. Well, the compelling story is Apple wants people upgrading more frequently, and they'll try to find a way to make that happen. So, so to round out this conversation, last question. What do you think the pricing slide of the September iPhone event looks like? Oh man. Do you, so that yeah, but you but you yeah. understand why I'm asking, right? Yeah, I do. So this is Oh man, I, I I wish I was faster at googling or that I that Joanna Stern was on the show. Um cuz I think it was 2016 where Apple had this weird slide and I'm pretty sure I sent it to you on Slack at the time, but we don't have a paid plan so I can't search for it. Um where Oh, and I like I typed Joanna into Google and it inputs Joanna gains above Stern. That's messed up. <laughs> um where was it talking about? I'm thinking about JoJo. Damn it. Um Yeah, where the slide was they should of course it was too crowded because they had too many because it's Tim Cook's Apple, so there's too many fucking iPhones on the screen. But they did a thing where it said like they put all the prices in monthly prices instead of showing the full retail like phil was on stage and he was like and the iphone 7 is 27 dollars a month on most carrier financing plans or something super weird like that and i'm in light of the fact that they're already struggling to uh move iphones in various markets for various reasons i'm curious as to whether because for the past couple of years they have been doing the thing where they say the iPhone XR is 750 the XS is 1000 or sorry, 999 They don't want to get into the four-digit territory, even though they really want you to get into the four-digit territory. But I, I want to know, do they do that? Do they say the iPhone XR 2 is as low as 449 
with trading in your old iPhone? Or do they act like the iPhone upgrade program price is the default price? The the last one. Oh, it's going to be a weird year. Yeah, but I think I think that's okay. I don't think I think that doesn't the the trade in thing kind of bothers me. But the the iPhone upgrade program pricing that doesn't really bother me. Now, again, if it if it had some kind of like crazy fee structure, or if, you know, if they if they did the same kind of bullshit thing that like your carriers do, where they charge you upgrade fees and stuff every time you change your phone, then I'd have a, then I'd have a problem with it. You get charged an AT and T upgrade fee when you do the iPhone upgrade program. Yes, I do, but th- but through AT and T. But <laughs> what I'm what I'm saying is that if 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 in the iPhone upgrade program there was the fine print that was like, hey, after 12 months you have the right to upgrade your iPhone, but by the way, if you do, there's this one time fifty dollar fee or something. Like if they were doing a bunch of that, but then they were still trying to show just the baseline monthly price on a slide. That would be a problem, but but because the iPhone upgrade program doesn't have any of that, like I think I think that's totally a reasonable thing for them to show when they want to frame pricing. Yeah, I I really want to see what happens. I still think it's kind if they show a slide that does not have the full retail price in anything other than the world's smallest font. I think that's kind of disingenuous. I I think leading with a monthly plan option and showing that is a reasonable and um, more economical is the wrong term because it totally ends up costing the same. But like a, a, a friendlier way to buy that, I think that's totally fair. But if they try to obscure the price in a way that's not just, oh, well, logically, you can multiply it by 24 and figure it out. Like I, I that seems that seems a little skeevy. Mm. We'll, we'll agree to disagree there i think okay but the i don't know the part to me that that seems fascinating about this september is going back to to a point we made a few minutes ago which is i think we both definitely buy into the notion that apple plans things out years ahead yeah i think that's oh yeah, that's like I, to me my predictions for this september would be iphones don't get any cheaper best case is they stay basically the same price as they were this previous year. And I still think that we're, we could potentially see, instead of three new iPhones like we did in 2018, I, I see a scenario where we see four or five new iPhones. So I don't think the lineup's going to get any clearer, and I don't think it's going to get any more affordable. I agree with two-thirds of that statement. I, I don't think that we're going to see four or five iPhones, but I do think they're not going to get any cheaper. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely right. Okay. Enough of that. You have a chef special? I do. And it, it's, I, I did not intend it to be this way, but it's, it's very apropos of what we've been talking about on uh, a few, few different levels here. So let me, let me get you the, I'm interested. Okay. Let me, let me get you the a good link here. So let me get you the direct Amazon link here. So this is the kind of first time I've ever used the Amazon Prime video service. I mean, I guess I've used it for a couple of one-off shows here and there, especially before Netflix introduced their offline viewing thing, because Amazon Prime Video had offline viewing before Netflix. Um, But this is an Amazon Prime original series. 
uh, Jack Ryan, which is based on a Tom Clancy series of novels um, starring uh, John Krasinski, which many will know from The Office. Um, so, is it, so, so this is a comedy. <laughs> this is not a comedy. This it, it actually it is su- surprisingly graphic. Not not violence, but just subject matter and um. It, it's a very mature show. Put it that way. Wouldn't be on Apple Video. No, definitely not. It, it's it's TVMA, and it's it's a it's a hard TVMA for sure. Um, like you you name it, it's got it. Um, but it's it's really really good. the The lady friend and I both really got sucked into this, and it's only eight episodes for this first season. We we blew through it pretty quick. Um. It to to me very very similar to twenty four, in terms of tone and style and characters, and it kind of seems like even structure. Where I, I won't give any spoilers here, but they, I mean, Amazon already signed a a season two deal before season one came out, but season one is is very self contained, so it's gonna I think do the same thing that twenty four did, which is. You know, each season is very much its own thing, but then there's kind of these, you know, story pieces that kind of go from season to season. It, it very much seems like that's what they're going to do here, too. Um, but John Krasinski's excellent in the show. The entire cast is really good. The story, where it, where it is different than 24, is I think the story is much more interesting than any season of 24 was. The The villain is is interesting. It, it's a really good show. I, I'd highly recommend you check it out. And it's not one of those shows that, you know, I, I always hate the thing where it's like, well, you got to get through the first four or five episodes and then like it really gets going. Like, no, this this pretty much right off the bat will will suck you in. Interesting. I've, I've heard a lot of good stuff about this. Still, it doesn't seem like my kind of show, but like it see it. But yeah, it's supposed to be good. Um, Did you watch this on the Prime Video app on Apple TV? Uh, combination. We we actually started watching it. I guess we started watching it at home. Yeah, on the Apple TV. But then we had watched a few more episodes that we downloaded on the Amazon Prime app on my iPad, um, and then f- came back and finished it up at home. But then the nice thing about watching it at home is it's in four K HDR. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it looks looks real good. Cool. Although you know, it's Amazon Amazon Prime Video does this really weird thing where when they have a show that's in 4K HDR, you it's actually like a separate series. So they have both the just regular HD version and then the 4K version, and it's it's like it shows up as two different shows in the Amazon Prime app. Weird. So we so we accidentally watched one episode just in regular HD, and Jesus, that just why uh, I know. <laughs> throw throw the whole TV out the window. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's cool. Like, and not going to bring it back to the old conversation, but yeah, this, yeah. Uh, don't, don't see this being on Apple. Um, was there any credibility gap with John Krasinski or did that disappear basically immediately? He's so good in it, which is, I've, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen him in other than the office. I must've seen him in something. But I mean, I I can't help but think of him in the office because he's just, he's so good in that. But no, he's he's really really good in this. So yeah, no, I I, he, I was a little skeptical at first, but yeah, no, that 
any skepticism I had went away very quickly. Um, I don't really have a pick this week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to double down on an old pick, which is not actually a product. It's more of an idea, which is not connecting your television to the internet. Because did you see, I'll put, I'll put a link into the thing, but I assume when you made a joke about Apple and privacy, and I assume it was related to this. There's a thing on Daring Fireball where uh, Nilay Patel had um, an interview with the CTO of Vizio. And he talks about the fact that they don't aim to make money on the TV set because at most they're going to make 6% margin and that's it. And then the guy says, uh, something in response to like, uh, what about the data collection? So he says, that's a great question. We should have, uh, we should have a beer and talk about that, uh, like offline, but, uh, it's not just about data collection. It's about post-purchase monetization of the TV. This is a cutthroat industry. I mean, you know, it's pretty ruthless. You could say it's self-inflicted or there's a greater strategy going on here, and there is. The greater, the greater strategy is I don't really need to make money off the TV. I need to cover my cost. So when you're looking at CES and, and there's all these 4K and 8K TVs coming out, and they're from people um, who are not LG, because I think they're probably one of the, the cleanest of the people making smart TVs in terms of not screwing you. Um, still buying a box you trust from Apple or at least like from Amazon where you at least trust that they're, it's only them that are going to screw you. Um, yeah, don't connect your TV to the internet. Yeah. The, the whole not really knowing what the business model is of a product that you're buying is not great. Yeah. Like I, I hate, I hate like, and this is in the advent of all like the Facebook stuff mm-hmm. um like it's like the and it's it's really overused and it's really dumb in a lot of ways of the if you're not the if you're not buying something you are the product with the privacy stuff it's getting it's, it's getting really really dicey out there mm-hmm. 